one together. Psalm 1, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chafe that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we, we thank you for the opportunity of gathering this morning. We thank you for the ways in which you have encouraged us already through song, through fellowship, Lord, through hearing about what you're doing in different places. But now, Lord, I ask that you would allow us to set aside anything that may be hindering us, Lord, from uh, being humble before you. Uh, Lord, may you feed us, may you strengthen us. Lord, I pray for JD as he opens up the word, that he would be your messenger. Lord, that he would be your mouthpiece, that you would work mightily through him, and Lord, in us, uh, by virtue of your word and your Holy Spirit. We need, we need help, Lord, and uh, we, are, we are longing to feed from you today. So Lord, we ask that that would take place in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Wow, so it is a privilege uh, to serve you um, by the preaching of the word today. I always tell people outside of Gateway that, uh, I know I preached here a couple times already, but that I get a little nervous because you guys are like the Bereans um, where you love your word and you love the Bible and you know your Bible and you think deeply about your Bible. And so um, that makes me nervous, that, but that, that humbles me and that excites me. I was talking to, I told Pastor Rod this, that I was a little nervous, and he's like, you know, it's a little different when you're preaching to people who don't like you, so enjoy it. <laughs> so uh, I know we just pray, but um, why don't we just ask for God's help one more time? Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you. Lord, we need you now as I preach your word. I pray, Lord, that your spirit will open our eyes and that we see the beauty of your word, the beauty of the gospel right now, Father, in the time that we have together. Do a work within our hearts and our minds. Help us to ponder and think upon this word today. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So Psalm 1 teaches us that there are two choices the righteous way or the wicked way. We see Psalm 1 as a gateway to the whole book of Psalms. Psalm, some would say it's a preface to all the chapters. It prepares us for the entire book of Psalms. We could also say that it's a gateway to life. It presents two ways, two paths, two journeys. Again, the righteous way and the wicked way. It teaches us the way to blessedness, happiness, and a warning about wickedness. 
Therefore, in our general reading of the Psalms, we must be mindful of these two choices. In the text this morning, we are presented with the blessed man, an example for us that lives in accordance with the word of God. And we are also presented with the ungodly man, whose fate is already determined. Therefore, let us understand the wisdom that is given here today in our text. Our first point this morning is found in the first three verses. It points to the righteous way. Verse 1, blessed is the man. This word blessed translates to happy. In some versions it says, oh, how happy is the man. If you think about it, this is a bold declaration. It's not normal for one to be happy. We are, naturally hap- we are not naturally happy people. If I were to spend a day with you or you were to spend a day with me, maybe even a couple hours, I don't believe you'll see a naturally happy person. However, we see the righteous way begin with a truly happy and godly person. In verse 1, we also see the psalmist describe the life of a truly blessed man, but from the negative. And he gives us three negative responses. Who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. A happy man does not behave like those who are already condemned, who are guilty. This man does not follow the advice of wicked people. And we see various warnings throughout Scripture. In Proverbs 4, 14 through 15, Do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on. Let me speak to the young people who are here today. I know we have friends right now who are highly influential in our lives. Be careful because it starts with entering the path of the wicked. Yes, we are to be the light of the world, but if we're not mature enough, standing on Scripture, we will fall with them. I'm not saying to have non-Christian friends or to not hang out with, the, with non-Christian people, but if the Word of God is not deeply planted within you, not deeply rooted, you will fall. I went to a Christian school from first grade all the way up to graduating as a senior, and there was wickedness all around me. Regardless of if I was in a Christian school or not, there are people tempting me, luring me in to do wicked things. So not only young people, but we must be careful. Nor stands in the way of sinners. The blessed man is not on this particular road, this journey with sinners. He does not take the path of sinners or stand with them. The sinner here has deliberately chosen this path of life. Then we see the third negative, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. If you get to this point by avoiding the first two warnings, it doesn't look good. The godly man does not sit back and mock God. The word sitting represents that the wicked have become become comfortable. They inevitably mock God. And so we see the progression of wickedness. One commentary puts it, these verbs describe a process whereby the man who only walks with the wicked at first soon begins to stand with the wicked and eventually feels at home enough to sit with those that scorn God. Therefore, one, when one lives in sin, it goes from bad to worse. Verse 1 tells us how not to live in the light 
of the blessed man. So again, the warning is, so be careful. I don't want to see you walk away from God. If we follow the path of sin, it's because we want to. Because wickedness influences us. But we see what the blessed man loves. Verse 2, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. The godly man's influence is not by unrighteous people. It's a total opposite. It's on the word of God. Psalm 119, verse 35, lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Delight here means desire. He desires the word of God. How do we know this? We know this because someone who desires the word of God seeks to understand and obey the word. Let us never get bored with the word of God. Jeremiah 15, 16. Your words were found and I ate them and your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart for I called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. We seek direction. We seek worship And ultimately, we seek God by meditating on his word. And it's also not a quick reading of the word. It's actually a contemplation of the word. Remember when Paul is writing to Timothy in in 2 Timothy 2, 7. This is what he says. He says, think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. In some translations, it might say consider. Consider. But that word, to think over what I say, it actually means to meditate, to chew on my teachings. You know, when I first started dating my wife, um, I'm, I'm just a fast eater, so I'll, I'll scarf down food, take five bites, and I'll be done in like 10 minutes. And so, you know, they would just kind of approach me, and she's like, you know, you, you eat really fast. And, and um, you know, we would finish our, our meals, you know, and, and I'll just be sitting there watching her eat. And so she didn't like it. So she's like, you know, why don't you just savor your food? Why don't, why don't you take a couple more bites and just, you know, enjoy it? And basically, that's, that's what Paul is saying is to enjoy it, to savor it, to meditate on it, to chew on the word of God. Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Again, the blessed man is not influenced by wickedness, but influenced by the word of God. He savors it. He takes time to ponder and praise God. True, deep, and everlasting happiness is found in what God says through his word. Psalm 112.1, praise the Lord. Blessed is a man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. Then we have verse three. He is like a tree. The blessed man is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. You see, there's a huge difference between when a non-believer pursues happiness. The non-believer has to convince him or herself that everything is going to be okay. They say things like, stay positive, think positive, happy thoughts, but it's all on the surface. There's nothing that will help their circumstance but themselves. And there was a time where one of our cars was was making these noises, and it was shaking, it was jiggling, and uh, my my steering wheel was jiggling, and um, 
Thea knew what was wrong, so there was something wrong, but I was saying, there's nothing wrong with the car. It's totally fine. And so I'm sure some of us have experienced that. And so, you know, as we were shaking along the road, uh, Thea's like, something's really wrong. And I, I kept telling her, no, it's, it's okay. And I was telling myself, no, it's, it's okay, right? Next thing you know, we were at a stoplight, and I try to press on the gas pedal, and our, our hood just kind of explodes with, like, this white smoke, right? And it just doesn't run anymore. And basically, um, we were out of coolant and overheated. So, you know, Thea's like, I told you so. Um, <laughs> but that's what unbelievers do, right? They convince themselves that nothing's wrong, right? There, there are things going wrong in their lives, and they're like, no, there's, no, there's nothing wrong. I'm just, I'm just going to keep going, keep chugging away. I've worked with coworkers where something happens and they're experiencing trials in their life and all they say is, you know, I just have to stay positive like I said. I just have to think good things, think good thoughts. So when trials come, it becomes a relentless task to stay positive. There is no hope. However, the righteous way leads to the blessed man growing and being anchored by the word. Three points we can learn here. The word produces good fruit, good works. The word produces prosperity, a spiritually good life. And therefore, the word of God produces maturity in seasons of life. The word season here and the phrase, its leaf does not wither, means there will be trials. However, we learn from the word of God as we live through various seasons of life, as we live through countless trials and as we stand in the midst of suffering, the godly man experiences suffering yet rejoices. This is the truly blessed man. This is not a superficial happiness. But this, person who do, this is a person who does not base his or her happiness on circumstances, but on God. Yes, there will be times of suffering Therefore, we see suffering as a gift from God. Philippians 1.29, for it has been granted to you, has been given to you, has been gifted to you, that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Why? Because in Romans 5, it reminds us that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope will not put us to shame because the love of God has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. We will be tested under fierce trials, and some of us have already. Dark seasons will come, but the blessed man will not wither away as he is controlled by the word of God. It drives him. It produces fruit. The word produces prosperity under the direction of our sovereign God. Suffering will come and go. Joy will come and go. Remember Job, if you read the whole book of Job at the end, He's been through all that suffering. And Job 42, what does he say? He says, I've heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. It is in the greatest darkness that we see the greatest light. Three reminders as I conclude my first point. The word will enable us to press on in the Christian life. The word will remain present along the righteous path. And the word of God will stand forever. And we, we find that in Peter, quoting from the Old Testament, all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. 
This is the word we delight and meditate on day and night. In the text, we first see the righteous way in verses one through three. Secondly, we see the opposite way. We see the wicked way. Verse four, the wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. When we read this, we must be careful not to look down on the wicked. We must not scoff at the wicked like the wicked scoff at God. The wicked way leads to eternal damnation. The wicked path leads to never-ending separation from God. No, this is not a turn and burn type of tactic. This is the truth. This is what it's saying. And so we must read this and weep for the ungodly. Why? Because they walk in the counsel of the wicked. The ungodly stand in the way of sinners. The ungodly sit in the seat of scoffers. I was going through some of my Facebook messages and uh, this young man who was attending one of our Bible studies um, in my old church, he messaged me. He said he's letting me know that he's moving. He's moving down south. And these were his words. Let me read it to you, and I quote, I really appreciated being welcomed so openly into this group and all the hospitality that was shown towards me in regards to the group. Then he says this, I tried out Christianity, and I found out it just wasn't for me. This is a young guy in his 20s. All the freedom in the world. Yet the sad reality is that wickedness pulled him into a different lifestyle. He loved sin. And I say this with anguish, not pride. Because if there's no true repentance, then the wicked path leads to destruction. Look what happens to them. They're like chaff. Job 21.18, they are like straw before the wind and like chaff that the wind, that the storm carries away. Luke 3.17, talking about what will Jesus do, his winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. The destruction of the wicked will come, condemnation will come, However, it is not in our hands, but in the hands of the Almighty. There is no value in wickedness. So I am pleading for those of you who are not following Christ to not go down that route. We must listen and read the warning the psalmist is giving us. C.S. Lewis in his famous quote, let me read it. It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at, at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. He's talking about gods, relentless and demanding gods that try to influence us. What the world offers are temporary pleasures, Maybe for us, some of us in here, it's not as prevalent. Maybe we're not drowning in wickedness. Maybe it's subtle. It could be a perfect family, a perfect job, a perfect home, a perfect life. But this is a temporary pleasure that will never be achieved. Subtle pleasures are a path that will, in time, lead to wickedness if we are not careful. Let me say that again. Subtle pleasures are a path that will, in time, lead to wickedness if we are not careful. 
Verse five, therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. The word therefore shows us where the wicked are heading. As I mentioned, the wicked will be cut off. No justification, no community with the righteous. They are guilty in this world and the world to come. So don't be fooled or influenced by wickedness today. Jonathan Edwards, in his resolution on heaven and hell, let me read to you the abbreviated version. He says, resolved to live as if I already seen the joys of heaven and the torments of hell. Jonathan Edwards lived, as one pastor put it, with one eye on heaven and one eye on hell. And this changed the way he lived. This changed the way he preached. But we are reminded that God is better than wickedness. Psalm 84.10. Let me read this for you. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. The psalmist is saying, I would rather be the lowest of the low in the house of God than be with the wicked. God is better than your sin. Two roads, two paths. Jesus says it best. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Two ways, but only one leads to true salvation. The end of verse six, this is the way of the wicked will perish. We also see, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous. This is very intimate. The Lord knows the way, he knows our lifestyle, he knows our desires, and ultimately our destiny. He will guide us in every step we take on the righteous path. Psalm 23, a famous psalm, he leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We shall not fear what God knows, but rest in his providence. Again, don't look down on the wicked. It's easy to say that's what they get. Let reality set in that they will perish. Weep for the wicked. Pray for the wicked. I mean, I have family, I have immediate family members who are, who are following the wicked path. I have friends. I have former co-workers. It's truly a sad reality. And it's only by the grace of God that we shall not follow the wicked way. So again, the text reminds us that there are two, there are two ways two paths to life, to life, but truly there is one way, which brings us to our last point, the only way. As we see that there are two journeys in this life, the wicked and the righteous, the Bible says in Romans 3 that no one is righteous, verses 10 through 13, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands God, no one seeks for God, all have turned aside, together they have become worthless, no one does good, not even one. So two questions. How do we come to terms in choosing the righteous way? If no one is righteous, how does one choose righteousness? So we have to understand that the only way to be influenced by righteousness is to believe in the righteous one. 
if we do just look at a general overview of Psalm 1, we see Psalm 1 pointing to the blessed man, the truly perfect and godly man. The blessed man is Christ. You see in verse 1, Jesus, Jesus Christ lived on earth surrounded by wickedness, but Jesus never walked in the counsel of the wicked. Jesus never stood in the way of sinners. Jesus never sat in the seat of scoffers. Yet Jesus called out to sinners to follow him, but he never sinned. Christ is the law of the Lord. John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Christ is the stream of water. He is the everlasting water. John 4, 14, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The Lord knows the way of the righteous because Jesus is the way. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Yet Jesus became for our sakes chaff, worthless, rubbish, Philippians 2, though he was in the form of God, did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Christ stood bearing the judgment we deserved. He hung on the cross with God's judgment upon him. He bore himself, our, he, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds we have been healed. We are righteous because Christ is righteous on our behalf. Pastor Rod always quotes this verse, 2 Corinthians 5.21. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The gospel is this. Jesus died by the hands of wicked men while at the same time loving the wicked, sinners like you and I, so that we would never experience the wickedness that we deserve but are now covered with the blood of righteousness. That is the gospel. Okay, well, I, I want you to be happy not for seasons of life, but forever. Not with small doses of happiness, but infinite happiness, which can only be found in and through the word, which is Christ. Turning from sin and believing in the gospel gives us all that we need, which is joy in Christ. And we could say words like Psalm 1611, where David says, you have made known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. This is the righteous path of life. This should be the destiny that we desire. Jesus is our greatest example. He loved righteousness, but hated wickedness. That's what he says in Hebrews 1.9. We will not perish if we follow the righteous way, the only way which is Christ. So I conclude here, just three practical applications that we can take home this morning. Read the word, love the word, make it a priority to study the word. 
know, the, the women are going through Exodus, so I, I encourage, I mean, I, I love how, how Gateway just loves to study the Word of God. So I encourage you guys to any Bible studies that show up, any book studies even, I mean, just, just study the Word of God. Just, just love it. Point two, watch yourselves. Be careful and watch your walk. Guard your path of life. 1 Corinthians 10, 12, Therefore let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. And lastly, in the context of the church, encourage one another, pray for one another, challenge each other as God leads us on this righteous path. Let us pray. Father, We thank you for your word, the reminder that there are only two paths in life. And so some of us here may be following the wicked way. And so we ask that you just turn our hearts and our minds towards you, that we repent and that we believe in the gospel, that you died for us on the cross, rose again so that we could have everlasting life in you forever. We pray for, the, for Gateway now that we think deeply, that we love your word, that we talk about your word as a church so that when we experience suffering and suffering will come, that we can look to you as our ultimate happiness. Lord, be with us today. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.